Welcome to The Author Show, where we feature new authors and books, from fiction to self-help and everything in between. You'll find it all at theauthorshow.com. That's theauthorshow.com. And now, let the show begin. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is your host, Don McCauley. Today we're welcoming to the program author Danielle M. Orsino, and she is the author of Birth of the Fae, Locked Out of Heaven, Book One. Before I bring in today's guest, a quick reminder that selected interviews are available at our website, as well as on major platforms like Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and many more. Danielle, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. I am a nurse, martial artist, and now currently an author of the Birth of the Fae series. So tell us about your book. My book, Birth of the Fae, Locked Out of Heaven, book one, is based on the idea that there are angels who can no longer go home, and they are stuck here on Earth, and they have to find new identities and a whole new way of life. Now, who did you write your book for, specifically? Who's your target audience here? My target audience is skewed primarily toward men, about 25 and up. I find that LARPers, live-action role-playing, and Dungeons and & Dragons game players, especially my cosplaying fans, they tend to really love this book and get lost in the world of the Fae. So, could you say there's any type of central message or perhaps underlying theme that you would say runs throughout your book? The underlying message or the theme of the book, I think, is more of a study of point of view, in that these angels and now Fae, if they would just have a conversation, I think we've all been in this position, they could probably clear up a lot of this miscommunication. So I think the readers specifically would walk away with the idea that you never know what people are going through and that we all have a bad day. So I would love if the reader kind of walked away with maybe having a little more grace toward each other, which in this day and age, I think we could all use. So if you had to choose, what would you say is the single most important idea you're sharing in your book that's really going to add value to the reader's life? I think the biggest idea I would love for a reader to take away is this idea of grace for each other. In the book, the two factions of angels that break up, the Power Brigade and the Virtue Angels, they have elitist attitudes and kind of this attitude of, I'm not good enough. And that creates that schism and that miscommunication. And I believe that we all have that. And I would love if the reader would walk away with that idea of having grace for one another, but also the idea of found family. I think that is something that's really important. And I would love if the reader could look at their own world and society as a whole a little bit differently and perhaps think about their family and friends and that found family is something that we could expand upon as society and realize it's very, very important. And sometimes your friends become your family. And that's what the Fae represent a lot to each other, is that found family becomes their knit group and their support system. So if you were asked to compare your book with any book out there we might already be familiar with, which book would it be and why? I've been compared to Game of Thrones and A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. But the comparison has come from both of them is that I'm both of those books, but without the smut, which I take as a huge compliment. There is not a lot of romance or smut in the series, especially not in the first book, Locked Out of Heaven. There's political intrigue. There is a lot of great fight scenes because I am a martial artist, but I am not smutty. So those two books are the books I get compared the most with, but I lack the smut, so to speak. 
So tell us about some of the characters in the book. The characters in the book, the first, my main protagonist is Queen Aurora, who rules the Court of Light. And then her main antagonist, who I like to think of as more of your brooding anti-hero, is King Jarvok, who rules the Court of Dark. He is a power brigade angel, and he starts out in the series as the warrior with no name, and then slowly kind of works into his power. And he's based off a lot of the character Magneto from X-Men. You might not agree with his methodology, but he's really trying to do what's right for his kin, and I appreciate that very much. So how has your martial arts background helped in writing? My martial arts came in so strong with the fight scenes. I love, love writing the fight scenes, and my martial arts definitely influenced it. While I love my superhero movies, and we all do, the idea that you can only see a fist or a cape flying by always kind of annoyed me. So what I did was I videotaped all the fight scenes first and then went back and wrote them so I could watch it. And I like the idea of doing more one-on-one or maybe one-on-two fight scenes instead of big sweeping battles. I want the reader to feel like they're right there watching it and they could feel themselves in that fight scene and see everything that's happening. And so the martial arts really helped figure out how the body would move and use that body mechanics to the best of my abilities. So what characters or writers have influenced your writing? Chris Claremont from X-Men, the godfather of the X-Men, who I've had the pleasure of meeting several times, and he's actually read two of the books. He's probably influenced me the most. His Dark Phoenix saga was phenomenal, and it made me care about a villain for the first time and kind of made me understand that that gray area or what we call now in the book world, the morally gray character. I think that was the biggest influence for me. Anne Rice coming in second. Her Queen of the Damned book was, I loved it. I loved everything about it. But Chris Claremont, hands down, one of the biggest influences for me in writing. So how did you end up on the cover of the books? That was a shock to me. My publishers, Four Horsemen Publications, saw what I had planned for the covers, which was just heavy typeset originally. And then they saw a promo shot of myself in cosplay as Lady Serena the Mermaid. And so Valerie Willis, who is the COO of Four Horsemen Publications, saw the picture and said, well, what are you doing with these shots? And I said, I don't know. They're, they're promo shots. They may be going in a magazine. I'm not sure. And she said, give me 24 hours. I have an idea. And the next day she came back with the mock-up of Locked Out of Heaven with myself on the cover. And she said, we have an idea. This is how we're doing all the books. You're going to be on the cover and cosplay from this point on in volume one of the series. And that's really how it came to be. And so I've been lucky to be on the cover of all six of the books moving forward. So how are your Fae different from the Fae we know in fantasy? Right now, the trend in fantasy with Fae is more romantic. It's a romanticy. And they're usually just the Court of Dark and the Court of Light. And it's kind of like, that's what it is. Unsealy, sealy. There's no real origin story. They're just elemental beings that protect a forest. And that's it. My fae start out as angels. And they are literally locked out of heaven. That is how they start. And my origin story goes from there to whereas the fae in most of the books you read right now, there's no real origin. They just exist. Mine are different in the sense that you get their full origin story of them being angels. And then they become what humans know as the polytheistic gods and goddesses throughout time. My fae are your Roman gods and goddesses, your Egyptian, and they work with humans 
throughout time. And we see them evolve right alongside with humans and make the mistakes that we've all made as we grow and mature. So there's a big difference in that sense. And I do give them an origin story and take it away from Celtic religion and things like that. So they are very, very different. Now, how did you develop your dragons to make them different? My dragons went through extensive research and change. I worked with a mechanical engineer professor. I worked with a physics professor. And I worked with my veterinarian, Dr. Gil Stanzione at Dakota Vet in Westchester. I sat down and I had this idea that I wanted my dragons to be plausible. If they were ever on Mythbusters, one of these dragons to be plausible with their oral defenses. So we came up with an acid breather, an ice breather, and a fire breather. And we started from the digestive system, worked the bacteria, and then worked outward to build them. And my dragons are not the size of 747s. They are about the size of giraffes, a little bit bigger. They can only carry two fey at a time, max. And then we worked wingspan, went through flight simulators. My dragons do not take off like Superman. They actually need a running start. And then we use the idea of thermal updrafts and different things like that. But we worked very hard to make them as plausible as possible. So it's kind of an interesting way to go about it. But they are very different. And we went through probably about six to nine months. And then they were drawn from there. So did your environment or upbringing play any major role in your writing? I'm a superhero nut is the best way to put it. I'm a nerd. I'm a superhero geek. Wonder Woman's my hero. I read comic books before I read anything else. So that probably influenced me the most is that, you know, Batman and Robin, you know, the old Adam West, Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, Yvonne Craig, Batgirl, all of those characters in the old cartoons probably made the most impact. And from there, my imagination grew. I would love to tell you, I sat here and read, you know, Emily Bronte and all the classics, but I didn't. I was reading comic books and watching cartoons. And from there, that's kind of put the seed of what I would like to read. So when I did start writing, I kind of thought of what would I like to read and then wrote the book from there. So I think all of that meshed together. That's what influenced me the most. I was making tinfoil bracelets and <laughs> playing Wonder Woman, you know, most of my life. And it went on from there. What can you tell us about this genre and why you decided to write in this genre? I would love to tell you that I sat there and went, I'm going to sit and write fantasy. That's not what happened at all. I did not choose it. It chose me. When I told the story to my patient, it wound up being a fantasy story. I didn't set out, I'm going to sit and write fantasy. Did I like fantasy? Totally. I was reading Anne Rice. And like I said, I was reading comic books. I didn't sit down to specifically write in fantasy. It was just the story I told him happened to be in fantasy. And he encouraged me to write it. And that's where it went. I didn't know the quote unquote genres and, you know, oh, urban fantasy versus paranormal romance. I didn't know any of that. I just wrote the book and it fell into the fantasy genre. I knew I wanted dragons. I knew I wanted magic. It just went that way. I had read Mists of Avalon, you know, it just kind of worked out, but I didn't necessarily set out to write fantasy, per se. Well, what's been your most rewarding experience since publishing your books? My most rewarding experience, I probably have had two that have made the biggest mark, and I still carry it to this day. One of them was I happened to meet a lovely woman named Wendora on Instagram. She reached out to me because she saw a picture of one of my dogs. And then she happened to have another dog named Aurora and her dog looked like mine. And we got into a conversation about it. And as we were talking, 
she had mentioned that she was going through another bout of chemo, but she really wanted to read the book. So I sent her a book just to read while she was going through chemo. And as months went on, she was going to pass from cancer. So her last wish was to be a fae. That's what she wanted. So we took the time as she was in hospice to craft a character named after her. And so she wanted to be a fae in my world. And I made her. So in book six, which will be coming out called Forgive Us, when Dora makes her appearance as a fae. And that's what she wanted was to be immortalized in my book, in my world as a fae. So when Dora has that and it touched me and I think of her every time I sit down to write when Dora is on my mind and I keep in touch with her family and it's lovely. That was one of my biggest moments to realize how powerful writing is. And the second time was I had someone ask me over Instagram, what is the sexuality of my fae? And so I mentioned that they're fluid, you know, doesn't matter gender. They just like energy. And so she said, that's great. I'm going to use that tonight when I come out to my family. And I was kind of like, I'm sorry, what? And she said, well, I just came out to you. And I thought, once again, that's so powerful that here's somebody I don't know telling me they're coming out. I was the first person they really came out to and that they were using my fae as an example to come out to their family. Once again, just the power of writing and authorship. It made a big impression on me. And I think those have been some of the most rewarding experiences. So how would you describe your writing style? Completely chaotic. I am not a plotter. I am not a pantser. I just start writing and I handwrite everything. And from there, we see where it all goes. There's no real rhyme or reason. I wrote most of the books at the same time, not knowing what I was doing, and I handwrite them. From there, once they're handwritten, I then go to the computer and I start kind of, I joke, put the meat on the bones and we see where it all goes. I do have an author index where I keep all the characters, their physical descriptions, where I think they're going to go who they're related to, and I refer back to that. But no, it's, it's total chaos. If you want to know what not to do, come talk to me, and I can give you those examples. So in your opinion, who should buy your book? The person who should buy my book is usually anyone who is looking to first get into the fantasy world who maybe has been intimidated by some of the larger books they see, you know, those big 400-page books. But generally, any male who loves martial arts, and loves fight scenes, come talk to me. I got your fight scenes. Cosplayers, LARPers, generally over 25 who wants a book that will encourage thinking, loves political intrigue, wants to see a different take on fantasy creatures, loves dragon fights. I have a lot of cool dragon fights in the books. And a reader who's looking for an escape. If you're looking for hot romance, no, nah, I'm not your girl. If you're a woman who wants a slow burn romance, pick up book three, because that's where it kind of comes in. Morally gray, you like the tropes of the chosen one. Those are the tropes you want to pick up. Then definitely come see me. Alternative history readers, then I'm your girl, because I definitely pick up with the tutors. I've done extensive research on that. But usually I'm skewed toward the male crowd over 25, looking for that Dungeons and Dragons role playing feel. Yes, I'm definitely, definitely your girl. Like I said, anybody who loves a really good, realistic fight scene. Yes, I've got your series, 100%. Do you have a website? Yes, I do. You can find me at birthofthefay.com and check out the books there. All the books are listed. They are available on Audible, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and all the links are up there. 
Lucy Bendos, great. Our guest today has been Danielle M. Orsino, and she's the author of Locked Out of Heaven, Birth of the Fae, Book One. Danielle, thanks very much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This is Don McCauley wrapping up another edition of The Author Show. Go out there, buy the book today, and please share this interview with your friends so that they, too, have the opportunity to discover our guests and their work. The Author Show can be accessed at any time at theauthorshow.com, and whether you're an author who would like to be featured or a reader in search of new books to read, The Author Show is a great place to start. Check us daily as we continue to introduce wonderful authors of very interesting books on The Author Show. Thanks for listening to The Author Show. Find out more about authors and their work at theauthorshow.com. Theauthorshow.com. Tune in next time to another great author on The Author Show.